0: So Money Episode 233, So Money Millennial, Christina
1: Ellis. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Tarabi Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry,
0: you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life.
1: Welcome to So Money.
0: Welcome back to So Money Millennial Week on So Money. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi, your host. Uh, Very excited for today's star guest. She is 28 years old. She is a woman who managed to earn herself over half a million dollars in free money to attend college and then later graduate school. She wasn't a top student. Or a top athlete. She wasn't an athlete at all. But Christina Ellis managed to earn half a million dollars in college scholarships by the time she graduated high school back in 2005. This is an important topic because the most recent graduating class finished college with an average $35,000 in student loans, the highest on record. And of course, I have heard of students saddled with six figures in student loans. This is Undoubtedly, a nationwide crisis. People are unable to afford college, and when they do go, they're taking out astronomical loans. For Christina, after her mother sat her down in the ninth grade and told her that she would not be able to financially support her once she graduated high school, that she was just going to have to be on her own, Christina became empowered. I would have probably cried and bawled my eyes out, but Christina was motivated. She went on to find a way to afford her own future without skipping college, that was not an option, or going into massive debt, as many students today do. Instead, she immediately began researching the best ways to qualify for top scholarships. She began to run community service missions. She coached and grew her gymnastics team. She was even crowned Miss Indiana Teen USA. And from there, Christina cast a very wide application net managing to earn $500,000 spread across 20 different scholarships, including the very prestigious Coca-Cola and Gates Millennium Scholar Awards. She has a book that captures all of these steps called Confessions of a Scholarship Winner. And on the show with Christina, we discuss some of the findings from that book, but also her upbringing, how she managed to win all this money, the exact steps that she took to win $500,000 for school, how did she make herself attractive to scholarship judges if she wasn't a top student, if she didn't have varsity letters under her belt? We talk about the best resources for finding free money for school, and then some traps to avoid, and saving up to 90% on everything. Christina is quite the deal hunter, and she shares with us some of her favorite strategies for saving money on all things from homes to furniture to hotels, you name it. Here we go, Christina Ellis. Christina Ellis, welcome to So Money, my half a million dollar scholarship winner. I think that's so money. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Christina, I mean, let's just get right to it. Half a million dollars in scholarships. We should mention now you're 28. So this was a story of yours that began years ago. But you nonetheless managed to single-handedly earn yourself $500,000 in free money To go to not just college, but also get a master's degree and later a PhD. So take us back to when you were in high school. I assume this all was a big plan and you really took time to work towards earning all this money. So take us to the beginning. At what point did you decide that you wanted to get on this crusade to earn lots and lots of money for school?
1: Yeah. So my first day of my freshman year of high school, my mom basically sat me down and she was like, Christina, I love you and I believe in you, but there is just no way that I can afford to help you once you graduate from high school. So you got to figure out your own way to pay for college. You know, and at the time I was like, what? I was kind of shocked and was like, why are you telling me this? I'm a freshman in high school. But then she proceeded to really encourage me and said, Christina, you know what, you know, we're, we're in poverty right now. You know, that things are tight financially, you know, our situation. But the thing is, is if you start thinking about strategies now You can win scholarships for college. You can get it all paid for and you you can completely start new and start fresh. So it ended up being a really pivotal moment in my life because I got motivated to figure out, you know, how can I go to the college that I dream for, dream of and get it paid for completely with scholarships? I started reading a lot of books on scholarships, doing research, interviewing people who had won scholarships from my hometown, talking to my guidance counselor, talking to the financial aid officers at our local community college, and trying to figure out anything and everything that I could about scholarships and getting college paid for. And it ended up really paying off, you know throughout high school. I implemented a lot of these strategies. I you know participated in a lot of activities, tried to take up leadership roles. I did a ton of volunteer work, and constantly had that thought about scholarships in my mind as I went throughout all of high school and then fortunately, you know when I got to my senior year of high school, I started putting in the applications, I was really working on perfecting my essays applying for the right scholarships and you know put all of that effort forth i've kind of disappeared for about six months and to the library on weekends and put lots of work into filling in scholarship applications and fortunately it was totally worth it and definitely paid off because i was able to win a half a million dollars in scholarships and go to you know what was my dream school vanderbilt university here in nashville completely for free um so i'm very thankful
0: you mentioned you were in poverty. Is Can you give me a little more background on that? What happened with yeah. your family situation that you were in this economic situation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, my mom met my dad in college. She's from Venezuela originally. And unfortunately, whenever I was three, my dad was diagnosed with a cancerous brain tumor. And then when I was seven, he passed away. Um, and after that, you know, my mom didn't have really great English. It was hard for her to find great jobs that, you know, paid really well to support a family as a single mom. So, you know, over time, we slipped below the poverty line and and struggled financially. So, you know, I, I was pretty aware of our situation at the time. You know, we were very happy. My mom was amazing and, you know, did so much to make our childhood still wonderful in spite of our situation and our circumstances. But, you know, I definitely knew that money, money was tight and college is expensive. So, Um, I would have to work for it to be able to make that dream come true.
0: How good of your mom, how great of your mom to have that conversation with you. And it wasn't like you can't go to school, Christina. It was, here's our situation. If you want to go to school, and I hope you do, this is really your responsibility to find the money. Did you find that conversation to be empowering? Or at first, were you like crushed because you just instinctively thought this was just never going to happen for you as a result of being in poverty?
1: It was completely empowering. You know, my mom, she, she did something amazing with both my brother and I, she, you know, what she could not give us in money. She gave us in motivation and belief in ourselves. You know, ever since I was little, my mom had this mindset where, you know, it was like our situation may not look really great right now. It doesn't look perfect, but you can do anything you set your mind to, you know, no dream is too big. No goal is too big. So when she said that it definitely was empowering because I knew the way that she thought. I knew that if she was telling me I could win a full ride scholarship and I could go to a dream school, she believed in it with all of her heart. And she was telling me that simply, you know, to light a fire under me to start moving. You know, I had, I was pretty fearless at that point in time, you know, and believed, you know, (laughs) so much of what my mom said, because, you know, over and over again, you know, she had really challenged us and pushed us. And my brother and I were able to accomplish a lot of our goals and dreams. And, you know, it's cool. If you look at my, situation, uh, growing up, my brother and I looking at our overall situation, you know, my mom had, you know, come to the United States, didn't speak great English. We were, you know, in poverty, all these situations that normally look like statistics of, you know, a reason why we may not succeed. You know, we had a lot of things working against us, but, uh, not only did I win a full ride scholarship and, you know, get to go to my dream school and start fresh my, My brother also ended up getting a full ride scholarship to the number one engineering school in the country and was able to graduate with a biomedical engineering degree, um, both undergrad and master's. So it's cool when I look at my mom and what she did for us growing up. You know, it'd be one thing if just one of her kids were successful. You could be like, you know, maybe that was just luck. Maybe it was just. You know, one kid that happened to get lucky. But the fact that both of her kids were able to get out of the situation that we were in and move on to the life of our dreams is really cool. And I think it says a lot about her parenting and what she instilled in us growing up.
0: I interviewed you for Yahoo a couple of years ago. So I came to this podcast already knowing some of the steps that you took to earn six figures in scholarship money. So I just wanted to review that for our audience just to give them some takeaways. You know, if you're a parent with a child in high school or if you are in college or thinking of going back to school to enhance your education and you want to get scholarships... Here's how Christina did it. And you did a few things. One was that you obviously started early. Your mom had that conversation with you at a young age before you were in high school. So you knew that you this was on you. And so starting early helps, but then it's not also too late to apply for scholarships, right? Sometimes you think, well, I'm already a senior in high school or I'm already in college. I no longer qualify. Tell us about how that's really a myth,
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there are scholarships given away, not only in high school, but for students who are already in college, there's scholarships available for people who want to go back to school that aren't currently in college. You know, you may have to do a little bit of digging to find them, but they're out there. You know, a lot of times people will start looking and if they don't find something in the first 15 minutes, they give up. Um, But I encourage you, you know, knowing that they're out there, dig around and really find those scholarships that match you and where you're at. And, you know, a great place to start is scholarship databases. Um, There are all sorts of databases that you can basically go to and plug in information like, you know, where you're at. If you're a high school student, if you're a college student, if you're currently not in college, you know, what are your interests? Are there any sports or certain volunteer activities that you enjoy doing are you affiliated with any major national organizations just all this different information about you and they'll take you know all the scholarships that are out there there are over 1.5 million scholarships that are given out every year so they'll take all those scholarships and they'll filter them down to scholarships that specifically match you. Websites like collegegreenlight.com and zinch.com do things for you and it makes it so much easier. There's also a great new app called Scholarly that will do the same thing on your smartphone. So I highly recommend just taking the time and really digging around to find the scholarships that are going to be the best fit for you.
0: And just a word of caution, if you're applying for a scholarship and the organization wants your money or your credit card information, because sometimes you know, there are scams out there, Mm -hmm. beware of those scams, that uh, if you're applying for a legitimate scholarship, they're just looking for your information or your essays, your transcripts. You don't also have to be a straight-A student, Christina, right? There's a scholarship for everyone, and you found out that it's really about your service. It's really about your activities. The level of your involvement and in whatever you're engaged in is important. Can you give us some advice on that front, too, as far as how to make yourself scholarship yeah,
1: attractive? Yeah. So an interesting thing about my story is that I wasn't a perfect student. You know, I was a good student, but definitely by no means at the very top of my class or one of the best students. So, you know, there are scholarships out there that are highly based on academics, but there are so many scholarships out there that, you know, you can prove yourself to scholarship committees in other ways than just having a strong academic background. So for me, I knew that, you know, my, my SAT scores, they were pretty average. They definitely were, were not in the top percentages, Um, you know, and I wasn't at the top of my class. So I realized I was going to have to implement different strategies in order to stand out to scholarship committees. So I did things like I volunteered a ton in high school. I had over a thousand hours of community service by the time I graduated. Um I took up different leadership roles and started things that would really stand out to scholarship committees. So a lot of times scholarship committees, they want to see students that they take initiative and they lead in their activities. So I actually started my own shoe drive when I was in high school and I shipped shoes to countries where people were dying from parasites entering into their feet. And, you know, it was something that I loved doing and that I was really passionate about, but it also really stood out to scholarship committees because not many students had that on their application. So, you know, if you can be strategic and, think outside of the box. There are a lot of different ways to stand out to scholarship committees outside of just having amazing academics.
0: I want to get to so many questions in a minute. But first, what are you up to these days? How has the ability to go to college and grad school and so on debt-free helped you in life? And what are you doing right now with all those
1: degrees? Yeah. So it's helped me so much because I got the opportunity to take a chance and Go for a dream that I had and release a book on scholarships. And that has just been such an amazing process. You know, when I, when I sat down to, when I sat down to write my book, you know, I kind of thought of the process as my year of service. You know, when you write a book, there's no guarantee that anybody's going to want to read it or it's going to sell. So, you know, I, I had a lot of friends that were doing the Peace Corps and doing different years where they were doing like volunteer years. So I kind of thought, you know what, if two people read my book and it makes a difference to them, then this is all going to be worth it. So that's kind of how I approached the book. And it's been amazing because a lot more people than two have ended up reading it. It really um, has seemed to really make a difference in a lot of students' lives, which has been absolutely amazing. And it's continued to sell really strong for the last two years, which has allowed me to go on the road and tour and speak with students in high schools. I've been doing a lot of seminars and um, convocations with students where I get to talk to them about scholarships and their dreams and how they can make their dreams come true which has been one of the coolest things ever. I love getting to speak with students, you know, in person and see that light bulb go off where they go, "Hey, wait a minute. I I can reach my mm-hmm. dreams." Like this this is awesome. Like I'm motivated. I can get out there and do this.
0: Have you had experiences with students who've gone on to say, "Christina,
1: I also earned a full ride to school thanks to your book?" Yes, I have. That's been really cool. Now that we're about uh, two years out from the book release, I've started to have a lot more students reach back out and go, Oh my gosh, here's what I won. This is what I'm doing. Uh, you know, here are the doors that are open. I want a full ride scholarship here. You know, I got to um, go to the dream school that I always wanted to. So yeah, that's been one of my favorite things recently of getting uh, those emails with the celebration messages, <laughs> which is awesome.
0: Amazing. And of course you've been a role model for your brother. So the lessons have been hitting home
1: literally. Yeah. I've, I'm also inspired by him. I mean, he's really cool in his own right. So I think it's definitely mutually inspiring. What's your financial
0: philosophy, Christina, uh, now that you have gone through all these, I guess, I mean, let's be honest, it was a challenge earning all of this money and now, you're, will, now you are uh, reaping the benefits. Uh, as a, a financial model for young adults, what is your philosophy or money mantra?
1: Well, basically my personal philosophy philosophy that I apply you know every day, even as I go forward past college, is basically figure out how to get the greatest value for the lowest cost. you know, basically, how much can you get or how can you get the most for the least? you know it, it's important for me even now, you know, obviously in college, that allowed me to go to college completely for free, which has changed my life, you know, not having the burden of debt after college is just absolutely incredible. but you know, even as i Move forward, I do. I apply that philosophy to literally everything. You know, I like to figure out how I can save 50 to 90% off of just the everyday things that I buy, you know, so that if, if I'm able to not pay retail for everything, my money will stretch so much further. You just
0: bought a house. So how did that maybe help you as you were home shopping?
1: Oh, it helped so much. We were able, just on the home itself, we were able to get an amazing value on it. I, I still just, and baffled that we were able to get the home we we did for the price we did. We've already gained about fifty thousand dollars in value just in the ten months that we've had it. Um, the the seller sold sold it for a great price. But even beyond that, when I was furnishing the house, so um, I'm I'm sure everybody who's purchased a home, you know, knows that feeling of once you put that down payment down, you know, it, it's. It's a lot. And when you go to furnish the house, it's like, oh no, I really don't want to spend more money. Um, but it being our first home, we definitely needed furniture and uh, I, I didn't want to spend a lot of money on it. So I spent a, a lot of time just searching extensively for cheap furniture. And it was really cool because I was able to get pretty much all of the furniture in our house for. Either 80% off or more of retail. So, whoa, um. where were you shopping?
0: And can why didn't you tell me this? Because I was in the, I've been in the renovation. And while well, I got some good deals this summer on furniture, and it turns out summer's a great time to get uh, discounts. I don't know why, but um, there's a lot of store wide sales during the summertime, I found. But where were you getting 80% off?
1: Well there is actually this store in town uh locally here in Nashville and um they had this model where basically it's kind of like a TJ Maxx in a sense but a little bit more warehouse-ish. And there are different parts in the stores where they have furniture that's already pre-built. Um you know, it's it's set up and a lot of people go for that. It's easy, it's simple, but there's another part of the store that most people try to avoid um but it's basically the boxed furniture. It's wonderful furniture that's just as good as any other furniture, brand new, but it's not assembled yet. And if you're willing to be patient and go through the boxes, you can find furniture that's literally, uh, you know, TJ Maxx, they have the model where as soon as a, a piece of furniture comes in the store, it's 50% off. Well, this place will actually bring it into the store at 50% off. And then it has like a clearance price tag rotation and the furniture will get all the way to 90% off. So um, if you're patient and you're willing to actually go through the boxed furniture, you can find amazing furniture for uh, like, it's pretty much over 90% off. So I mean, I have these pieces in my house that, you know, I found on Amazon, uh, you know, before I bought it, I look it up on Amazon or on whatever website it's on and I'd find it, you know, for $500 and have, you know, five star reviews and be like this beautiful piece of furniture And I'd walk out with it for like 18 bucks and then come home and have my my husband assemble it. And, you know, it's great. So (laughs) I love walking through my house, like with my deal shopping friends and being like, "Yep, that one was 20 bucks. Like that one was originally 400. Got it for 30. Good (laughs) for you. I love it.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, um, (laughs) let's talk a little about more about your your upbringing. Your mom must be beside herself. Is she not?
1: Yes, she totally is. She's, she's very proud, <laughs> very excited.
0: What would you say is your most, your most pivotal money memory? Something that really sticks out from your childhood that taught you a major lesson about money that you've carried on with you through all these years. I mean, in addition to, of course, the conversation your mother had about college and how that was really going to be on you to afford. I think that was quite a moment of moments. Um, but what yeah. else, maybe even earlier before that, that you really recall as being a, a money memory that has been engraved in you since?
1: Yeah. So whenever I was five, my brother was seven, um, we really wanted a trampoline really bad. And uh, my mom basically was like, yeah, sure, you can get a trampoline, but you're going to have to work for it. And, you know, being five and seven, we were like, okay, like, what do we do to make money? And uh, we came up, my brother and I sat there and we, we brainstormed and we came up with the idea to do a lemonade stand during our town's biggest annual festival. A lot of people would park on our street and they'd end up having to walk by our house to get to the event. So we figured that we would take those two days and set up our little lemonade stand and just, you know, try to catch people as they walked by. Um, and it ended up after the two days, we raised so much money that we were not only able to get the trampoline that we wanted so bad, but we had enough left over that we were able to get a basketball goal too. We made like three, 400 bucks that day or those two days. That was some um, good lemonade. It, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, at five and seven, it it completely opened our eyes to what hard work could do. You know, we, we figured that, you know, hard work really does pay off. And, you know, if you're willing to get out there and be strategic with the opportunities that you have, you can do some really great things to reach your financial goals. So, um, it was a hugely pivotal moment for us. Obviously, you know, making, you know, several hundred dollars when you're five is big, but I mean, it was, it was work. We were out there probably, you know, eight to 10 hours those days and, you know, working to sell it. But at the end of the day, we were able to get something that we really wanted. And that was amazing. It was a huge lesson for us, you know, to see what even, even as young kids, what we could do to make a difference in our, in our own goals financially.
0: I can only imagine being that age and earning, and and then getting people to buy lemonade from you continuously. What was, what was your demeanor at that point? I mean, because I can only imagine like being that age and. Finding that maybe a smile goes a long way or saying thank you in a certain way goes a long way. How, did you find certain selling tach- tactics or techniques or marketing techniques? Even at that young age, I'm sure you learned some things that you did over and over again because you'd like, oh, this really gets people buying. What worked?
1: Oh, yeah. My brother and I would sit there and we'd be like, oh, did you see that? That one worked. Let's do that again. Like, we would just take notes on things. We would talk to people and, you know, <laughs> with. with- like, we, we'd be like, oh yeah, when you said that, they got really excited. Like, you know, let's do that. Or like, you know, if you shake their hand, like they seem to want to stop and talk longer, you know, or, or if you, if you, uh, sell them, you know a, a glass of lemonade to both like the the main person and their wife or their kid um you know then the rest of the party's going to want to buy some cookies too you know we just kind of like we're, we just tried to make meaning of you know what was happening and what was actually working and what wasn't and it it was great and you know at with a lemonade stand um mm-hmm. a lot of times people were not just buying lemonade they'd be like oh, oh you're cute here's 5 bucks instead of 25 cents which was Awesome. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know that we were like. I mean, I can look back and try to put. No, no, that was that was. I I don't know if we were like extremely strategic, but. (laughs) No, no, absolutely. Um, Yeah, but in our.
0: Well, what would you say is a financial failure of sorts that you experienced that taught you a lot? I mean, up to this point, we've only talked about success and winning and earning and winning people's hearts with your lemonade stand. What would you say (laughs) is a time that wasn't so exemplary that you inevitably learned a tremendous amount from?
1: Yeah. um, Well, when I was 16 years old, I had somebody approached me about becoming a model, which, you know, like many 16-year-old girls, you know, that was something that I dreamed of at the time. And, you know, these people, they had, they had a really slick office set up, you know, they, they had all the right words to say, and they promised me the moon and the stars. And, you know, I unfortunately encouraged my mom to pull money out of savings that she had really been stockpiling for a while to pay for this agency's fee you know, they had convinced us that we'd be able to make the money back pretty quickly. And about a month later, that quote unquote modeling agency went out of business and completely vanished with the money that we'd given them, you know, and it it was, it was pretty, I learned some pretty painful lessons in that, you know, one being always do your research, you know, don't just listen to the salesperson, always dig deeper. You know, now before any major purchase, I get to know, a company and a product inside and out. And, you know, I also learned, you know, be careful with get rich quick schemes, you know, things like that are often not what they appear to be on the surface.
0: Yikes. It's so sad because you're, I mean, that kind of happened to me too. I didn't get approached by a modeling agency. I was not And <laughs> like, I had the unibrow no. everything when I was 12, <laughs> but I loved to act and I thought I was going to be an actress and I thought it was pretty funny. There was a, a commercial that would always run on uh, in between shows after school. And I remember it was like, call us now and secure a free appointment with a talent agent to the top child actors and stars. And it was all the way in Boston, which was an hour away. And I came home, my mom came home one day and I was like, mom, I really want to do this. I think I was 12. She drove me all the way to Boston. We got the appointment and they had me read off like a a commercial for Oreos or something. And in front of this like kind of cheesy guy who had a pinky ring. And it was, it was like everything that the movies make it out to be. You know, Uh. all all the warning signs were there and they wanted to take HUD shots and they charged my mom like $1,200 for them. No guarantee that they would do anything for you. Even as at that young age, I think my excitement was immediately diffused from that meeting. I was like, I get it. You know, this is totally a scam. After that, I didn't encourage my mom to follow through, even though she would have never. It was maybe a good experience to go through even at that young age to see that. That not everything is what it appears to be. And they had spent a lot of money on those commercials. I'm sure they met with a lot of kids like me who were eager and very, and and parents who were there just to support their kids, at least give it a shot. But as soon as they made the, you know, the, they want, they presented the deal, it was clearly not in our favor. And we walked out and we walked past this hallway with pictures of all of their quote unquote clients. And it included like Michael Jackson and. Uh Um, Webster, you know, back then, like all the kids that were, um, famous and I was like, oh man, what am I giving up?
1: Oh, well, good job walking away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was tough though. It was, not I mean, I had, I
0: couldn't sleep like at night knowing that I was going to go to this meeting in Boston with these talent agents. And then I got there and it was such a disappointment, but that, yeah. Such is life, I suppose. Tell us about a – I already know your so many moment, which is scoring all that money for for school. What would you say is the number one habit that you in, uh, practice, uh, Christina, that helps you find value in everything that you buy and to score those deals and to continue to uphold this really great um, financial, financial life?
1: Yeah. So I am really into checking deal sides. I'm constantly – you know, going through the different websites that I check regularly to see what new deals are out that day. You know, especially for travel. I know we were talking a little bit before this about how, you know, my husband and I travel a lot, both I travel both for work and for fun. So I put a lot of priority on to in travel savings. You know, if I can get deals that save me 50 to 80% off just in that area, it adds up to several thousand dollars of savings a year. You know, and I've gotten more into travel hacking over the last few years and working with points, which is actually allowed us to do some free trips, which is awesome, you know, and also We actually spent a month in Europe this summer traveling to seven different countries, and we paid about 75% less than you'd normally be able to do that trip for. So um, constantly checking those sites and being up on the latest trends and deals going on in those areas, it's really great. It's a great habit, and it saved us thousands of dollars.
0: What's your top site for saving on hotels? Because I'm currently looking for some hotel deals and uh, – kind of coming up empty. So what's your favorite go-to site?
1: Yeah, I bounce around a lot on hotel deals. I mean, I've done several Groupon deals, which if you find the right one can be absolutely amazing. Um, I look at deal news a lot in their travel section. They'll often filter through some of the top travel sites and pull together the best travel deals that are coming out that day. Um, I've done Hotwire quite a bit, uh, just doing the different bidding and trying to figure out... The the greatest hotels that they have, even though it's kind of secretive, you can often figure out uh, which hotel it is based on previous uh, people who purchased the hotel deal. Um, so, kind of just bouncing around a lot. I don't know that I have one favorite site for hotel deals, but um, I try to scan, you know, several of them and pull together the best ones for that day.
0: All right, wrote those down. Groupon, Deal News. Yeah, because I find that just, you know, some of the basic travel sites where they compare prices oh, – I'm looking for New York specifically, and that's hard, I know, because New York, I mean, gosh, the Holiday Inn next to the airport is like $250 a night. What? Right. <laughs> Let alone, like, forget, you know, a boutique for a hotel in Soho. You're talking, you know, upwards of five $600 a night. Are you ready right. for some So Money fill-in-the-blanks, Christina? Yes, I am all right. Let's go for it. If I won the lottery tomorrow a hundred million dollars, the first thing I would do is
1: the first thing I would do is um I would tithe my husband and I believe in the biblical principles of tithing, so I would give the first million or ten million dollars to tithe, and then I would set aside five million for paying off our house and friends and family and actually, you know, doing some fun things and then I would invest the other eighty-five million.
0: So five million, wait a minute, five million for a house. Are you buying a new house or is this the house that you just oh, bought?
1: No, no, no. I would I would take five million and pay off the house along with, you know, doing some special things for friends and family gotcha. and using that for play money. No, <laughs> no, no. Did you Definitely just buy didn't. a five million dollar
0: house? Okay, thanks for clarifying. No, no. <laughs> if you did, that would be cool. I wouldn't judge you. I would like just to come over and visit sometime. <laughs> no, one, that did not happen. <laughs> one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier
1: or better, or both, is. Ooh, my puppies. Um, we have an English bulldog and a Havanese. And, um, you know, while I do try to still do some deal shopping with them, they pretty much get the best of everything. You know, I think sometimes they even eat eat better than we do. They're pretty spoiled rotten.
0: Uh, I love that. Yeah. So that's nice to hear. (laughs) A lot of times people say their pets are their biggest splurge, which is the next question. Next fill in the (laughs) blank. My biggest guilty pleasure slash splurge is?
1: That one I'd have to say travel. Definitely travel. I mean, I, I do travel for work, but we do a lot of fun trips. Um, you know, Europe this summer, I was in Ariba a few weeks ago, and uh, my, my husband and I have been to Puerto Rico and, you know, Colorado Springs and did several fun trips over the last year. A lot of the trips have been, you know, as I've mentioned, very cheap or free, but we definitely, you know, invest extra play money in travel.
0: One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is?
1: Uh, I would say that there is no shame in deal finding. So, you know, I grew up in poverty, as I've mentioned, and was always so embarrassed, you know, when my mom would make a beeline for the clearance rack in a store, you know, I'd be like, mom, at least pretend like you're looking at the regularly priced stuff. Um, You know, and was just kind of ashamed of it at the time. And, you know, I've, I've realized since then that, you know, a lot of people get into deal finding because they don't, have a choice, you know, they are in some type of bind, and they end up feeling really embarrassed by it. And they have the mindset of, you know, I can't wait until I don't have to do this anymore. But the thing is, deal finding is actually a really good money habit, regardless of your budget. You know, you don't want to make more money only to pay full price for things and be just as strapped as you were before. You know, I'm convinced that I could be a billionaire and still be trying to find a good deal because I'd want my money to stretch as far as possible.
0: It's funny. Sometimes I feel when I'm in a store that, because I do that too, I make a beeline (laughs) for the sales (laughs) section. Usually it's in all the way in the back or the other floor. And I can just, I can feel the sales staff kind of not giving me as much attention as maybe another. Uh, client or another customer because I'm not going to pay full price for the new fall items. I'm sorry. I'm just not. <laughs> you know, I'm like, right. <laughs> um, I, st- it's still going to be warm in New York for a while. I, this is the time actually to go and find some nice summer clothes. Um, especially if you are, are going on a trip this month or next month, but I can, I know what you mean. Like, it- but I have, but you get over it. You know what? It's like, yeah. you guys have a sales section. You, are just as happy to unload that inventory as I am to pick through it. So, you know, let's play nice. Let's play nice people. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, When I give money, when I am charitable, I like to give to blank because?
1: I like to give to random people that have a need. Because it's unexpected and it really meets them right where they're at. You know, while we do give to various charities, you know, I know what it feels like to be struggling and not affiliated with a charity. So I love to find people that are just struggling and maybe wouldn't normally ask for help and be able to help them. You know, for example, my husband recently overheard a lady at a gas station trying to pay to put two dollars of gas in her car. And she had pretty much all change um, you know, and this lady, she, she wasn't asking for a handout, you know, but simply just trying to scrounge up enough change to be able to make it the 40 miles home, um, you know, and, and we, we kind of watched her as she walked out to her car and she had her, you know, head hung really low and looked like she was about to start crying, you know, and we were able to, you know, run up to her real quick and fill up her tank of gas and just have this really wonderful conversation with her. So, that's my favorite way to give, you know, I, I definitely find values, value in giving to charities. But I love being able to find people that are just having a bad day that are having a tough moment and being able to help them, you know, in that moment and help brighten their day. You know, I think that's, that's just a powerful, powerful thing for everybody involved. You know, it's just, it's an amazing feeling to be able to help in that way.
0: Yeah. And really what it involves is being more conscious of your environment you know, your husband was aware of her because he took notice. And that's something that I think we can all do more of is to be more aware of other people's needs. Even if it's just you're in line at the grocery store and the woman in front of you like forgot her wallet or something, and she's got three kids and a bag full of groceries, like maybe if you can, you you know, you Maybe pay for it. I don't know. I'm just saying that I think I could definitely participate in that more often. You know, just being aware of my surroundings because these days with your phone in hand, let's be Mm -hmm. honest, we're all looking down and just look up once in a while. I think that's a great – it's a great lesson. And finally, I'm Christina Ellis. I'm so money because –
1: Because I can find a deal on anything.
0: From college to furniture to homes to – Oh, gosh, the list goes on to (laughs) hotels and vacation. Christina Ellis, thank you so much for being our So Money Millennial today. Uh, Couldn't have thought of a more fitting guest to talk about how to save on college, how to be so money in your 20s. Congratulations and wishing you more more discounted vacations in your future. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) To learn more about Christina, please visit her website, ChristinaEllis.com. Christina is on Twitter at Christina Ellis. Her book has also its own website. It's called TheCollegeNinja.com. All this information at moneypodcast.com, along with the transcript and the comments from this episode and all previous episodes. And if you'd like to reach me and ask me a question as I answer all of your questions on this show once a week, please hop onto somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, and there you can submit your question. Thanks for tuning in everyone Tomorrow we have another fantastic guest for us Her name is Rea Schwartz She is a millennial Who has managed to start her own business Earning six figures at the ripe age of 25 We'll talk about how she did it And how you can too Stay tuned Thanks so much And hope your day is so money